When the late Dr. P.J. Titus moved back to India after being trained in the U.S. in the early 80s, his vision for his nation was simple and great. Reach every one of the one billion men, women, and children in the nation of India with the message of Jesus Christ. My husband started Bible college with 30 boys. Dr. Titus understood that the only way he could possibly reach these people would be to train and multiply himself in others. His idea was to train the local national leaders and pastors themselves to do the work here. They already know the language, they're already culturally accepted, and it's more effective this way. During my time on campus, I met hundreds of men and women who are both present students and graduates who sacrificed everything to come and be trained for three years here on campus. And when they leave, they start their own church that starts dozens of other churches as well. Dad moved here in 1981 to start the seminary here. He had a vision to train young people, send them out all over India, all over the world, get them to multiply, and then expand the Christ Great Commission. Jameson told me while we were riding a bus, if Mrs. Titus sees a child on the street of the city, she will tell them to come home with her. Every day, 800 children attend school here at the Navajaveen Public School. Navajaveen means new life. These children are treated with amazing respect and dignity. They're actually treated as the sons and daughters of God that they really are. This is a Mission Sunday. We've got missionaries uh, here from, Af from Africa, from India. Close. This is my third time to do this. Johnson and Helen uh, Titus, and uh, they are actually there, picked up the mantle of Dad's work, and they're overseeing the ministry on site there. And uh, just greet the people a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what God's doing in Christ for India. What an amazing love. Amazing love of a God in Texarkana, 10,000 miles away, loves 1.2 billion people. Amen. And your prayers and your support help keep Christ for India going. We're celebrating 30 years of his faithfulness. And uh, it's all because of your prayers and your support. As you saw in the video, young children coming to our school, coming from Hindu homes and villages surrounding our area, they're not only learning secular English and subjects, but they're also learning the love of Jesus Christ. We do have prayer in our school. America, listen up. We have Bible reading. We have devotion. That's part of our ministry to train young people that they will change India for Christ. Seminary students that come, as, as you saw my mother was saying, Dad started with 30 young boys. Over 2,000 graduates now are in the mission field because of your support, because of your prayers. A young boy that went through that same children's home, grew up, went through college, all from your support. He came to the U.S., raised his own funds, and now he's going back. This month, he sold his home. He and his family are moving back to India, and they're starting another children's home in our state. Amen? This is what you do. This is how you touch lives. 
and we praise God for your faithfulness and for your love. And uh, God continues to do miracles every day. Over a thousand kids are being fed on that campus, not by a church or an underwritten, you know, some check comes every month. This is by faith. And God has kept his promise for 30 years. Mother says, don't matter what else happens, you put food on the table. And that's, that's God's faithfulness to our ministry. Continue to keep us in prayers, and uh, we bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord and greetings from India. Once again, thank God for giving me this opportunity and privilege to be in your midst this morning to worship the God who never gives up on us. Amen. Amen. And every day in campus is a miracle. And we sometimes sit back and think, Lord, how are we going to face today's uh, things, you know? But God always sees that everything is done in time. Praise the Lord for his faithfulness. And just wanted to share like a few lives that we touch every day on campus. That's, uh, uh, as my husband shared, we have so many Hindu children who come from Hindu families. And they are being led to Christ through our lives. You, we, we cannot re, um, directly go and preach to them or tell them something which they don't understand. But it is through our lives and through the way that we deal with them. And we have children who are volunteering, who, are, um, who have come back after their studies and they're helping in school in teaching. They have literally grown up from their kindergarten in our home. And today they are in our school teaching. There are two boys. And at, to add to that, my daughter also, after her master's, she volunteered. She said, I want to be in ministry, Mama. How can I help? So she's also teaching in our school and helping the children to come to the Lord. Amen. And we have a boy who literally came from a, a very poor home. It's actually a pastor who brought him to our, our junior college, and he never knew English. And, and if we don't pass in English, we don't get our certificate. We don't pass through our universities because it's a compulsory language. And we used to be always after him, and he knew that it's because we love him that we were after him. And he passed out in second class in his 11th and 12th. And today, uh, he's working and supporting his family as well as he's doing his master's in business. Praise the Lord for his life. And he accepted Christ and he got baptized in our campus. Amen. And these, there, there are so many lives like this, and um, we have so many girls who have come from really poor homes, and they don't have anybody to support, and they are also doing their studies, and they are helping in ministry. Thank you. Thank you. It's all, this is all happening only because of your prayer and your support. And don't forget that every little thing that you do is honored by God, because our God is a God who never forgets, and he's a faithful God. Thank you for this time, and thank, uh, please continue to uphold us in your press. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Give him a big hand. We love you guys very much. <laughs> Hang on just a minute. This is our third service that they've shared. Come on up just a second. We wanna, we'd like to pray for you, for your ministry, for your family. And uh, we just thank God. You know, I became acquainted with... Step up here on the step with me. I became acquainted with the Titus family years ago when your dad was, was here and come to the church every year, and he died in his early 60s from diabetes. Your mom is still there, and uh, you and your brother have taken, taken the ministry and uh, still growing strong and reaching many people. We just had a team go there, uh, Linnell led just a few weeks ago, 19 people from our church. Now, this is a real commitment. Spent $1,800 on a ticket to go to, in, just a ticket, to go to India for a week. Now, you say, well, what great thing did they do? Well, they helped a little bit, but I'm going to tell you what world missions will do to your heart when you go there is a thing that you will benefit from from the rest of your life. And I hope everyone, the quicker you can get to a, a short-term missions experience, it'll have radical change on your life. But, you know, the vision for God is not just for our world. You know, the goal for our church is not just to, you know, get new lights, new chandeliers for us. How many know it has to be the concern for people around the world? That, that people not just from Texarkana would go to heaven, but people around the world. Yes. 
And I'm going to talk this morning about missions and, and, and why we endeavor to reach people, why it's so important to us. But we want to pray for them right now. We don't understand what it's like to live in a nation that could turn hostile overnight against you because of a change in the politics. Uh, Hindus worship, would you say, three million gods. And uh, how many know Jesus is the God? He's not one of the three million. But, you know, they have churches they've planted in some outlying areas that, because they were simply Christians. Churches were burned down. The pastors were driven from their homes, living out in the woods. I mean, it's a real deal out there. But uh, they're reaching this unreached people group in the second most populous nation in the world. One day it'll be the greatest nation in the world in terms of population. But I want you to just lift your hand towards them and let's ask God to bless them, that God would care for them, that God would provide them that God would smile on them all their days, that God would give them long life, that God would bring supernatural provision, that there would be multitudes of people to join their 500 committed people committing to $1,000 a year, whatever that, 75 a month, just doing something to help be able to support the great work that's here. So we bless them and all they're associated with. We pray that you would anoint them, that the gifts of the Spirit of God would develop in their lives and, and anointing, Lord, to do all that's required would be upon them. And we bless our friends in Jesus' name. Anybody said? Amen. Give them another good hand. They're going to pray over all of us at the end of our service today. And if you're here today, and how many would say that you feel perhaps a little missions call on your life? It may not be a full-time. It could be full-time, but at least some short-time experience to bring the gospel to the broader world. Let me see your hand this, this morning, or this evening, rather. Well, listen, at the end of the service, I'm going to ask them, they'll pray for you. If you just want them to lay their hands on you and just pray for God's mission burden for the world to grow, they'll do that. I want you to go to Mark chapter 16, Mark 16. And I want to stay in this theme because when we talk about a nation of the world, how many know God cares for people all around the world? How many know that God is not just an American God? God is concerned for the nations of the world. And I want you to open your heart a little bit as we talk about a world vision this evening. Because we are a church, Church in the Rock, Texarkana, is committed to reaching the entire world for Jesus. Can you say the entire world? Now, that doesn't imply that our small church or medium-sized church is going to touch every person on the planet, but yet we see Jesus' call to reach the whole world for Christ. And let me give me just a moment to kind of update you and share some things you may not know. Not only does Linnell just took a team to India, she's taken another one to Chiapas, Mexico. We do at least three trips a year this uh, November. This past year, we dug a water well in Mexico. We helped dig a water well in, uh, in Africa. Uh, we have over the years handed out thousands of Bibles around the world. We're feeding kids every day in the nation of Haiti. If, uh, you were to, if you've taken some time and just look at this, uh, this guide, this inside look, you'll see on page 20, 23, there are 22 missions works around the world, some local, some national, most international, but 22 works around the world that our church is involved in supporting, on a, whether it's a monthly basis. Most of them are monthly, but we do projects with them. For example, our church helped to buy that bus, you remember, not too long ago. They've got a bus on their property now. So there's all the time things that are coming up that our church is involved in both locally, nationally, and internationally. And I am, when I think about heroes in life, you know, I, I, uh, all of us have probably heard that Steve Jobs passed away, the founder of Apple, the guy that built the iPhone and iPads and all those gadgets. And he was a great man and gave us great things. But you know what? I find greater heroes are people that give their life to the mission field, come on, that give their life to the service of God. And, and we've got them right here in our church. The Howensteins are supporting themselves in Africa. Penny Hiller goes around the world taking the gospel through the vehicle of English, teaching people the Bible through English. Penny goes around the world. We've got two teenagers, Abigail Flint and Jeremy Allen, both in different parts of the world for a couple years. Uh, the holidays have given their life to China. I mean, people that were members of our church. Do you realize that every time that you give an offering in our church that's undesignated, we take 13% of that and we put it in an outreach fund and that goes for local outreaches that we do. It goes for national things, but we are involved. We have built churches. We have built, helped build hospitals and orphanages around the world for Christ. And, and a couple few years ago, I'm not sure exactly, but several years ago, uh, that missions fund saw over a million dollars come through it. Come on, since we've been here over the last 20 years. Now, that's a big thing. 
So when you see, whether it's those little ha- uh, cans for Haiti, uh, every couple months, we just through change people give. We send $1,000 to feed kids in Haiti. This little globe over here buys Bibles. We accumulate. It, I don't know how it happens, but just before you know it, you've got $1,000, $1,500. We find Bibles. It could be something with the voice of the mar- martyrs in, in uh, Central America. It could be something in the Middle East. But we buy Bibles because we literally believe that people around the world need Christ. If you looked in this brochure, the ministry God. If you looked on the section where it says local outreaches, there are 22 people in groups that are doing things locally in our city, in this area, to reach people for Christ. Most of them are doing things like jails and they're going to nursing home ministries. They're going to the streets, the homeless people. They're reaching people. Some of them are connecting with ministries in the city. But I want to tell you, we are a church that believes the gospel should go into the entire world. Now, having said these, these things, let me ask you this question, Why? Why do we spend all this money? Why do we take all this time? Why in the world do I want to be separated from my wife for 10 days, you know, and, sec- and suffer for Jesus? Come on. <laughs> I don't suffer. But why in the world would she want to get on an airplane and fly some 30 hours over a couple days and get there and be wiped out for two weeks? Why would somebody do that? Why would people give thousands of dollars? Why would people drop in dollars and fives in that, in, in, in that glow? Why would people make a sacrifice? Well, I want to tell you, my friends, it is simply because we are trying to do what Jesus told us to do. In Mark chapter 16, this question why. Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus told the disciples. Now, last thing, last chapter there in Mark, the last words of Christ before he ascended to heaven, Jesus told them, he said, go into, say it with me. All. Say it again. All the world... And preach the gospel to who? Say it again. The rich, the poor, the in-between, those that nobody knows and those that are well-known. Preach the gospel to everyone. In verse 16, and I'm going to come back to this later, it says, Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe, there's a choice, will be what? So we're going to come back to that. But basically God is saying he's offering the peoples of the world. Red, yellow, black, and white, precious in his sight. He's offering everyone an opportunity to believe and be saved, to live for eternity in heaven, to have relationship with God restored, or or reject him and be condemned and face an eternity without him. And my friends, we as a church, we as Christians see life on this earth as temporary, and we have a mission. Jesus has given us marching orders. Can you say marching orders? Marching orders, say it again. That's the title of the message, Marching Orders. It is not just the marching orders for the Titus family, not just for me, a vocational minister, but it's for all of us as the body of Christ, the church. Come on, give the Lord a good hand this evening. Marching Orders. Our mission is to populate heaven with followers of Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. Our mission is to populate heaven with the people we will share eternity with. Now, I have been doing a series the last few weeks called Reflection. And in this series, it has been an opportunity to help us see Jesus Christ, what he did, what he valued as important, and challenge you to imitate what Jesus did. Imitate what Jesus said, following the footsteps of Christ. Well, this evening, I'm going to challenge you to get the heart that Jesus had for the peoples of the world. That you and I could somehow think like Christ did, do like he did, and literally be concerned about people all over the planet. So it's marching orders that we're talking about. Uh, We're going to look at this number one priority in his life. Now, as we're opening the Bible, uh, the next scripture we're going to go to, and you may be turning to John chapter 12. I'm going to look at several things this evening. But the ushers are going to pass down the aisles. There's some invitation cards. And I want you to, I want to encourage everyone to take a packet. And if you don't want it when the service is over, just leave it on the chair. But I'm going to talk about this at the end of our service. And I want you to just kind of take that packet and just put it near you. It's a little church invitation. I want you to hold on to it. So please, everyone, take one. And if you don't want it, just leave it on the chair at the end of the service. But John chapter 12, and let me make this statement. A lost soul is so valuable that Jesus literally left heaven, came to earth to rescue us. Let me say it again. We're talking about the value of a lost soul. And how many know you're either lost or you're saved? You're either lost or you're found. You're either separated from God or you're walking with God. You're either away from Him or you're near Him. Well, it was so important, people, you, me, you look in the mirror, your husband, your wife, your kids, the people of the streets of India, the people that are literally around the world, it's so important. You just put the little invitation on your side now, just stay with me. 
But the people of the world, a soul was so important that Jesus came to earth to rescue us. Now listen to John chapter 12. And I want you to think about this. Now, if I were to say, why did Jesus come to earth? Instantly you tell me, well, he came to die on the cross. Well, I know that, but I want you to lay that aside just a second. And I want to go a little bit deeper. Because I want you to look with me, John chapter 12, verse 23. Now mind you, it is the time of the Passover. Jesus has came to Jerusalem uh, and Jesus knows that it is, he's going to die in just a couple days. It's the last week of his life. If you know anything about the Passover, the Jewish Passover was literally a time when once a year the children of Israel would remember what happened in Egypt. If you go back and hearken back to the story of Moses, and you remember when Moses was, was in Egypt and he told Pharaoh multiple times, let my people go on behalf of God. You've got the people captive in Egypt. And finally God sent the last plague, and this plague was the death angel. And when the death angel came over, uh, the, the whole nation of Egypt, which was the center of the world civilization at that time, when the death angel literally came over that place, if the death angel did not see blood on a doorpost, symbolizing a sacrifice, a blood that was shed for the the half of the sins of the people. Literally, someone would die in that home. The firstborn would die. It happened to animals. It happened to people. Everyone there. But the Israelite people were protected because they had sacrificed a lamb. And lo and behold, when Jesus Christ was introduced by John the Baptist, when he first began his ministry at about age 30, you know how John introduced him? He said, Behold the Lamb of God that does what? takes away the sin of the world. Now think about that just a moment. He takes away the sin of the world. So verse 23, Jesus answered them. He said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now usually when you speak of your death, particularly when you're judged as Jesus was by the world, it is humiliation. That is when you, for example, if you're executed or, or in the Roman era when they would crucify people on the cross. And, and crucifixion was a, a horrible form of judgment in their day. Oftentimes they would crucify the person naked simply to humiliate them further. It was, very, it was intended to basically say, don't mess with Rome because they wanted all the people to see it. And death for most people was humiliation. But in this case, Jesus said, it is my glorification. A pretty tough word, but basically is, I'm about to step back into the splendor of heaven. And when I step into the splendor of heaven, it's as if the angels will be rejoicing. It's as if everyone that understands what's going on will applaud what I have done because I have come to restore man to God. I have come to build a bridge from heaven to earth. And rather than it being something that would be feared and run away from, how many know Jesus, my friends, went to the cross? Now stay with me further. Look at verse 27. My soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Now, you know the contradiction that he's got going on inside. If you remember the Garden of Gethsemane, it was the agony that Jesus experienced. And the night before he was literally crucified, and he prayed by himself. His friends had abandoned him, and he prayed, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. In other words, I don't want to die. I'm still a man. I'm God who came to redeem the world. But I know what's in front of me is hard. It's difficult. It's going to be painful. It's going to hurt when those, that cat of nine tails rips into my back. It's going to hurt when they put that crown of thorns on my head. It's going to hurt when I die. I'm going to shed my blood for the sins of the world. I'm going to not only die, but I'm going to bear the penalty of sin. Somehow all hell is going to come against me in judgment. And Jesus said, it's going to be a tough thing. But this is the reason I came. It is the purpose that I was born. And Jesus said, I'm going to face it because I love and care about the people on planet Earth so much. Now, I want to tell you, friends, it is the love that God has for you and I, the love that he has for the people of India, the love that he has for the people of the world, the love that he has for the crazy people throughout all levels of society, that God wants to restore them to himself. And it's for this purpose that Jesus came to this planet. It's why I'm here, verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. So what does that mean? It means when Jesus died on the cross, it's almost like he put his, his foot on the head of Satan and said, now I win. You see, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve literally disobeyed God, they ate of that forbidden tree, judgment was came. And the Bible says that literally they gave the dominion of the world from the hands of Adam to whom God gave it into the hands of Satan. And it is through this act of the cross 
See, the Bible says we were constrained by the God of this world with a little g. He blinded the eyes of people. And somehow we were not God's children when we were born in this world. We're born in the nature of sin of Adam and Eve. And God had to redeem us or buy us back. And it's through the cross that Jesus gained victory. Verse 32, now when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. To be lifted up from the earth simply means, my friend, he's talking about the cross. So when we talk about why Jesus wants us to go into all the world, we've got to start to realize that it was so important, the souls of people, that Jesus came to endure this horrible death. Jesus came to be a bridge between heaven and earth. He came to restore and rescue humanity from the power of sin. And I want to tell you this, friends. Every person on the planet needs a Savior. Every person in the nation of India needs a Savior. You know, we have friends from the Philippines. Every person in the Philippines needs a Savior. Every Muslim in the Philippines needs a Savior. Every Muslim in Europe, every Muslim in Iran, the Ayatollahs, come on, they need a Savior. The Hitlers of this world, they need a Savior. The people in Washington, D.C. really need a Savior in America. I mean, come on. Everyone needs someone to bridge the gap. Now, I want you to stay with me on this next one. The path to heaven is exclusive. There's not many ways up the mountain. Jesus made a pretty startling statement. And let me say this, particularly if you're a younger person. You have been raised in a world that basically tells you that it is bigoted to say there's only one way to heaven. There, you live in a world that tells you it is not politically correct. Who are you to judge other people? Everyone gets to determine for themselves how they're going to get to heaven. Is that pretty much what the world teaches? Why, your religion is no better than my religion. Who are you, Christian person, to shove your religion down the throats of people? After World War II, when, when uh, uh, the Japanese, when their emperor had been defeated, he was God incarnate. Do you realize, it was, uh, uh, Douglas MacArthur, he begged the Americans to send missionaries to Japan. He literally begged them. This, this uh, general who had defeated the Japanese people begged us to send missionaries because the people had no hope. And their God had been destroyed. Can you imagine if a general encouraged us today to send missionaries to Afghanistan, missionaries to Iraq, how the world would, 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 would retaliate against that? How people in America would say, we're crazy, keep your religion at home? My friend, we live in a different day and a different era today. But no matter what the world has to say, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me now how I many know that's a pretty big statement and can, I, can we agree to this it's either true or it's false it can't be halfway it's true or it's false now listen to this let me tell you why why other religions will not get a person to heaven now here's the goal every religion has a goal to, to have a relationship between God and man Every person born on this planet somehow realizes they are not God. Their humanity stares them in the face. They want to have a relationship with God. I don't care if you are a Buddhist and you're worshiping a cow, a Hindu worshiping a cow, or a Buddhist worshiping Confucius, or whoever you may be. You want a relationship with God. You want to be able to go to heaven, but the problem is sin separates you and sin keeps you out. Now, that's the basic problem. Man wants to be restored to God. The path of religion hopefully gets you there. But sin is the problem. And it is sin that separates us from God and brings judgment for eternity. Do you know why every person on the planet dies? Because of sin. In the Garden of Eden, they were constrained to death because sin came into the human race. Every one of us has this disease, and sin separates us from God. But listen, sin brings us into the judgment of God. God judges people because of sin. And here's the thing the Bible teaches so clearly. Your good works will not get you to heaven. You cannot do enough good things to get to heaven. The Bible says you're saved by by grace through faith, it's a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. You cannot give enough money. You cannot be kind enough, loving enough, righteous enough to earn your way into heaven because 
Sin separates you from God. It's as if sin has placed us on, a, on a, an island in the middle of the ocean. No one knows we're there. We are not Tom Hanks. We cannot design a life raft to get us off that island. We will die in our sin. But God provided a way to deal with the sin problem. Now, this is what is different than any other religion in the world. Even some supposed Christian religions, the Mormon, the Jehovah Witness, are works-based religions that rely on the works of man rather than the grace of God to earn your place in heaven. Now listen, the Bible teaches us that this sin problem, and we cannot deal with it. So if we cannot help ourselves, what are we going to do? God saw our problem and God sent a substitute. God sent a solution to this earth. To be the bridge to restore us back to God. And what was his name? His name was Jesus. He was a substitute to restore relationship with God. The blood that Christ shed offers the way of forgiveness. And it satisfies God's righteous standards. And here's the problem. My friend, God is the one that gets to write the rules. How many know? Not you and not me. I cannot say, I'm going to go to heaven by giving money. I'm going to go to heaven by living in a monastery. God bless you if you want to live the monastic life, but that's not going to get you to heaven. Handing out watchtowers will not get you to heaven. Listen, friends, doing good works will not get you to heaven. Killing people, listen, the Islamic people, killing people in the name of their God who are infidels will not earn you a place into heaven. The problem is sin, and whether you try to evolve over your sin, do good works over your sin, or simply exercise self-control, or find some hidden knowledge, you cannot bridge the gap between you and God and that is the problem where God sent Jesus to be a substitute for our sins that in his blood the Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness, no forgiveness. why because the Bible tells us that life is in the blood and it is because Christ died on a cross literally he gave his life for yours and when Jesus died on that cross it was as if his blood was shed for your sins and my friends, can I tell you this? God wants everybody to go to heaven. God does not want any to perish. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, John 3, 17, but that the world through Him might be saved. But yet He gives people a choice whether they embrace what He said and receive Him as their Savior or reject Him. And my friend, it is that message that God has asked us to take to the whole world. It is that message of the saving power of Christ. Because let me tell you this, my friends. Uh, eternity is real. And eternal judgment for sin is real. Now let me talk about something else that's, unpop that's not popular today. But the Bible does teach that there's a literal place of judgment. Mark 16, verse 15. This was our text this evening. The eternal judgment for sin is real. Jesus told them, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be But anyone who refuses to believe will be So the question is, saved from what? And condemned where? Saved, my friend, from eternal judgments. The Bible says in Hebrews, one of the basic foundational doctrines of the Christian faith, the last thing it says was eternal judgment. And can I tell you, my friend, God is not only a, a creator who created us, He's not only the sustainer who cares for us day by day with food and water and clothing and shelter. God is the one that puts oxygen in there. He sustains us. He's also our Savior who offers us a path to eternity, but He's also the judge to whom one day we will one day give an account. And the Bible says Jesus will save us from condemnation if we will receive Him. Matthew 25, you know this passage. It is a picture of heaven. Verse 31, when Jesus, the Son of Man, comes into His glory. Mind you now, when He was crucified, rose from the dead, He entered into a glory. Well, this same Son of God is coming back to judge the world. The Bible says He will sit on His glorious throne. Now, verse 32, all the nations will be gathered in His presence. He'll separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, verse 41, and I'm going to condense this for time's sake. You know there's two groups of people. The one group of people gave evidence of their salvation. When I was hungry, you fed me. Naked, you clothed me. You know the scriptures, the way it unfolds. And then those that did not follow him didn't, of course. But verse 41 is what I want you to see. The king, King Jesus, will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the 
eternal. I cut down a tree that died, an oak tree, and I've been splitting it because this winter when it gets cold, I'm going to have a fire in my fireplace. But I'll build it as we start our day, but at the end of the day, that fire will go out. But the Bible says there is something called eternal fire. It is not symbolism. It is not a picture. It is not in the Bible intended to scare you. It is a reality that Jesus spoke often about. Eternal fire, not prepared for people. The Bible says it is prepared for the devil and his demons or angels. Verse 46 goes on to say, they will go away into eternal, say it again, eternal punishment. Eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into, now let me say this, God does not want anyone to be punished eternally. Hell is a real place, my friend, and there are no second chances. I'm going to ask you in the course of this evening, do you have a right relationship with God? Are you certain that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? My friend, you might need to make a step to Christ tonight. I may be the one that simply tells you what's going to happen, but the Bible says there is eternal life in a real place called heaven. And can I tell you, not everybody goes to heaven. What was the little kid's story? All dogs, all dogs go to heaven. Listen, not everybody will go to heaven. Jesus said there was a wide path that led to and a narrow path that led to life. And few people would find it. Can I tell you, my friends, this great salvation God has offered will be rejected by most people. There is a doctrine that's going around through the, what, was, what claims to be the Christian church, but many are saying that everybody will go to heaven. Everybody's going to end up in heaven. My friends, that is not what the Bible teaches. You have to take out your scissors or you have to take a little scalpel and, and remove a number of verses because the Bible talks about a day of judgment. It talks about a day of judgment that will affect 1.2 billion people in the nation of India. It will affect over a billion people in China. It will affect over 350 million people that are alive today in the United States of America. It will affect those that live in the penthouses of New York. It will affect those in the jungles of the darkest Amazon jungle. Can I tell you, my friends, every person will stand before God one day and give an account for their life. And God has given us marching orders. Come on. He's given us marching orders to reach His many people as we can with the good news of Christ before it is eternally too late. And wherever our platform is, your platform now is at Texas A&M University. You're a student there. There are people that are around you that will never come into the doors of this church. Wherever you are, you are reaching your generation. You will probably not reach Jim's generation, but you, he can reach his generation. He can go to the diner. He can go to coffee. He can go to the senior center where they're eating breakfast or lunch and talk to people an opportunity that you have. I'll never connect with people through music to tell them about Christ. Don't say amen, Pastor Nick. But you will. And God has given us all a platform to reach as many people as we can for Christ. I will not sit in the escrow office as, as often as a realtor does. I will not go to the bank to negotiate a loan for a living. But someone will know those bank officers. Someone will know those people that work there. I will not go to the stores and make deliveries like you do. I will not travel this part of the world seeing people time and time again face to face. But you are. We are all on a mission. Listen, this reason, this, uh, this compulsion to bring the good news to the world, you've only got one time to do it, my friend, and it is in this lifetime because one day this lifetime will be over. How many know that? And only that which is done for Christ will last. So I tell you, my friends, heaven is real and hell is real. And it is for this reason that we're not just concerned about what goes on here in our church. It is for this reason that we send money outside of the walls of this church. It is for this reason that I speak on the radio and the television. It is for this reason that you take something that you hear and you forward it on Facebook. You take what you read in the morning and you send it out to your friends because you are trying to the best of your ability to populate heaven. Come on. You're trying to depopulate hell. You're trying to rescue people before they slip into a Christless eternity. And that's, my friend, what the Christian life is all about. Give the Lord a good hand this evening. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus wants all of us to help people get to heaven. Now there's a question that's been on the center screen. Can you read it? What's it say? How many people will be in heaven because of you? How many people will be in heaven because of Mel Gothard? How many people will be in heaven because of you? How many people will be in heaven, friend, because of Fred Harris? 
How many people will be in heaven? Are you with me? Because of Silas. How many people will be in heaven because of Ron Humphrey? How many people will be in heaven because of Johnson Titus? Because he said yes to the call. That, my friend, is how you need to view your life. Life is not determined by how big an HD TV you get. Here's what I say. If your current TV works, enjoy it. Life is not determined by how big a diamond ring you end up with. Get as big a one as you can. Marry the right man. But I'm telling you, that is not the determining factor of your life. The determining question of your life. How many people will be in heaven because of me? Now listen, Matthew 4, 18. When Jesus was looking for disciples, as Pastor Nick's coming, Jesus saw two brothers, Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water. They fished for a living. Jesus called out to them and he said, Come and follow me and I will. I'll show you how to fish for people. New Living Translation. I'll show you how to fish for people. Now, these men were fishermen for a living. And now he says, You're going to catch something different. Now, what in the world does it mean to fish for men? You've been following the drought that we're still in here in Texas. Lakes are drying up. Have you seen pictures where lakes are drying up and you can see the, the, the fins of the fish? Come on, when the water is getting real, real low and people are going out with dip nets and they're catching some of these fish and they're putting them in a truck and that truck will take them to a lake where there's plenty of water. Can I tell you, friends, it is a picture of the people all around you. The lake is getting drier for people that you meet and their fins are showing. God wants you to take your net and catch them. Come on. He wants you to do everything you can to get as many fish out of that pool that's drying up. Come on, and get them to the aquarium before it's too late. They're going to die. And that's what you and I are called to do is to be just like Simon Peter and rescue as many people as we can. Listen, whenever I find something good, I want to tell somebody about it. How about you? I mean, if it's a sale of, of I don't know. If it's a sale of something that I like, let's say a clothes, some clothes that I think friends might like, they're having a 70% off sale at wherever, Dillard's. And it's real sale, and it's not a joke, and they've got a lot of clothes, not just one rack to trick you. I tell all my friends. If I find a new app for the phone that I really like, I tell people. If I find a restaurant that's really good, you know, I like that Genghis Grill. I don't know if you've been there, but boy, I like it. And I tell people I like it. Well, doesn't it make sense that the one who has done more to change your life than anything else, come on, that we should be telling people about that? Doesn't it make, isn't there something more important than iPhone apps? Isn't there something more important than restaurants? More important than sales on clothes that you're going to give away or put in a garage sale? Come on. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ that is eternal. And that's what we're all about. Our little mission statement for our church, we're called to connect people to, say it with me, God friends, ministry, and that's not just a simple trite statement. That's what we do. Connecting people to the world is simply a way of saying what we want to do is we want to help you fish for men. We want to help you to learn how to share your testimony and talk to people about Christ. We want to put tools in your hand. We want to give you opportunities to go on missions trips. We want to invite you to help serve, like signing up for that Jesus Fest. To help and serve, you know, we'll do altar calls. And every the last few years, we've had about 2,000 people come through the doors of that powerhouse. We've had up to four altar calls and have as many as 50, 60, 70 people when Pastor Mike gives the altar call that I want to make a step to Christ. So when you're partnering with us, guess what? We're sharing in this great gospel enterprise. Now listen, there's a lot of things we do, but I'm going to kind of end up and talk about this little packet of cards and give you a little testimony. I go through about two, sometimes three of those packets a week because everywhere I go, whoever I meet, if I have a chance to talk to them, I say this, I want to give you an invitation to my church. I think you'd really like it. That's all I say. But what it becomes is a door. Let me tell you about a door that was open just the other night. I went to dinner with some friends right across the street at Cracker Barrel and just having a good time. And the waitress that was there, I, I'm just kind of a kidder if you, if you don't know that about me. I like to laugh and joke. And we're just kind of laughing back and forth. She just started and we were telling her she was doing a real, real good job. Well, towards the end, I had to go pick up my daughter. She was at a dance. And I said, listen, I got to get. But there was the girl standing there. And I, 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 I pulled out a card and said, listen, I want to give you an invitation to our church. I think you'd really like it. We've got a lot of things for young people. I guess she's probably 18, 19 years of age. And she stopped and she said, you're from Church on the Rock? She said, I live in the Willows Apartments. Are y'all still doing that outreach over there? 
Pastor Mike's been doing it for several years. And I said, they just started back today. She said, I know it's for kids. I'm the oldest one out there, but I don't care. I like it. So we got to talking. This just became a door. Well, a few minutes later, she comes back up to me and she said, would you pray for me? I'm, I'm having a problem. I've got a need. Well, listen, I had to run out the door to get Rebecca so she's not on the corner. But I turned her over to Linnell and the friends that they were with. Well, lo and behold, she opens up and she said, uh, she dropped her head and said, I'm supposed to get kicked out of my house tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to do. They told me they're going to lock the doors. Now, listen, this girl's trying to make something out of her life. And she wasn't hustling on state line, come on, trying to trick you out of some money. But she just said, I, and she didn't ask for anything. She just said, I need you to pray for me because I'm going to get kicked out of my house tomorrow and I don't want to go back to the way that I was. Well, lo and behold, not only did they pray for her, but, you know, they gave her some money to help her to meet that need in her life. And right there in the middle of the Cracker Barrel, somebody's crying. Somebody's getting prayed for. Somebody's making a step to Christ. Good things are happening all around. Now, all I'm telling you is it just opens a door. It just opens a door. It's got the plan of salvation in it. And if you get him to church, I'll talk to him about Jesus. But I want to encourage you, do something, my friend, for Christ. Because your life, when it's all said and done, how many people will be in heaven because of me? How many people will be in heaven? The dollars that you put to buy Bibles, your tithe, I don't care what it is, your testimony, your prayer, how many people will be in heaven? because of me I'll close with the scripture and then I'm going to ask Johnson to pray for us 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 19 a man named Paul the apostle this guy literally was saved from hell he was a religious man and he gave his life with such great passion for Christ but listen to what he said from the message translation he said I voluntarily become a servant to all people to reach a wide range of people I try to reach religious people, non-religious people, meticulous, moralists, loose-living, immoralists, defeated people, demoralized, whoever. I don't take on their way of life. I keep my bearings in Christ, but listen to this. I enter their world and try to experience things from their point of view. I have become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into the God-saved life. I do everything I can to win people. Everything. If he were to stand in our midst today and talking to you, he'd say this. I put on my golf shoes to go out and reach golfers. I'm not just concerned about the hole and run. I want to reach golfers for Christ. I grab my fishing pole and go to the fishing tournament, not just to win the bass boat, but I want to reach fishermen for Christ. I grab my pom-poms when it's time to go to the ball game. Not just because I'm a cheerleader. Not just because I want the Cowboys to win. Because I'm going to reach people for Jesus wherever I go. I'm on a mission from God. And can I tell you, friend, your life, where you live, where you go, is your mission field. You don't have to go to India to reach people for Christ. You can do it right here, right now, wherever you are. Come on, in your everyday life. How many people will be in heaven because of you? Come on, give the Lord a good hand. Give Brother Johnson the microphone. And here's I'm going to ask you to respond to the message this evening. In just a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity for, for prayer to kind of commit your life afresh to Christ. To say, Lord, give me your heart to reach people around the world. Give me boldness to preach your word. Let me have a heart, not just for people in our church or right here. Let me have a heart for people around the world. But before he prays for you for that prayer, I want to ask you this question. I talked a bit tonight, very simply, about the offer that Christ makes to all people. Christ makes the offer to all people, a simple offer, that if you would believe in Him, and that if you would follow Him, He'd give you the gift of eternal life. And if you would reach that place in life and acknowledge that I have sinned, like the rest of the world, I've done wrong, and I know it, and I admit it before God. And I realize tonight, Pastor, as you're talking, I saw the Bible where I'm going to stand before God one day and give an account for my life. I realize I need a Savior. Tonight, I want to say that I believe in Jesus. Tonight, I want to make a step to become a follower of Christ. Tonight, I want to make sure, and I don't want there to be any doubts when I leave this place today, that I'm right with God. I don't know how much time I've got left on this earth. Hopefully, it's a long time, but I want to tell you, friend, no man knows the day or the hour. Now's the day to be right with God. I'm going to ask you in just a second that if you want our prayers this evening to raise your hand. 
that if you have the courage to step away from your seat, that is, if you simply would say, in the presence of God and, and witnesses that are here tonight, I want to commit my way to Christ. My friends, Jesus Christ will meet you and he will bring as much change in your life as he's brought in my life. Christ will make himself real for you. He will give you hope. He'll give you assurance of salvation. He'll give you peace to sleep at night. Come on, I sleep better at night because of Jesus. I, I don't have as much fear for tomorrow because of Christ. It's not because he's in my head, but because he's in my heart. And he got there because I invited him and I gave my life to him. So if you're here this evening and say, Pastor, I need that. I want Christ to forgive me and give me a brand new start in life. If you want our prayers this evening, say, I want to get right with God. I want to make sure I'm saved. I want to put my trust in Christ. Would you just lift your hand this evening real quickly? Come on, do it high. I'll only ask one time tonight. Pray for me. I want to get right with God. God bless you, dear. Give her a big hand right over here. God bless you. Give her a big hand. Come on up. Let us pray for you right now. I need a lady to just come and stand with her. Come on. She's going to just meet her right here at the cross. Anyone else tonight? I need to get right with God. Could be the first time or you could have gotten away from God. What's your name, dear? Lori. God bless you. Give Lori another big hand. We're real, we're real proud of you, dear. We're real proud of you. Come on. They're going to go right over here with you. And they're going to pray with you as you make a step to Christ. I'm asked Brother Johnson, if you want this prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand as well. But here's what I'm going to ask you to stand for in just a second. If you, want to add, if you want to simply say to God, Lord, I want to have your heart for lost people. I want to care about souls more than I do now. I want it to be important to me. I want you to change my heart. If you're here tonight and you want to say, Lord, I, I want boldness to be able to share my faith. I'm kind of shy. You know what? I'm kind of shy too. But Jesus didn't make an exclusion for shy people. I didn't know that. I'm kind of shy. If you simply want to say, Lord, I want you to help me be bolder and share my faith. Or maybe your last prayer is simply to say this, Lord, I want to have a heart for the whole world. Not just my little world, but I want to care about people in India, in Africa, all around the world. I want to have a global heart for Christ because I'm a part of the church that's trying to populate heaven. So if that's your desire this evening, you want his prayer, I want you to just stand to your feet. And I'm asking Brother Johnson just to, just to pray over us right now. And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit just to come and do what only God can do Thank you, Jesus. to the heart of man. Father, we come with gladness in our hearts. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for others. Yeah. Who died for every single person on this planet. Father, we thank you for the love that you showed for us. And this evening, we thank you for the hearts that are going to open and say, I want to serve you, Father. Yeah, I want to serve you. I want to fill up heaven. Heaven rejoices at every soul that is saved. Amen. Father, every baptism that is given, the angels declare. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in the world. We thank you for COTR Texarkana, Father. We bless this church. Father, you open up the hearts of the people that they'll go to all the corners of this world, Father, in prayer, in finances, in physically doing things for you, Father, that they will touch someone's life and that they will bring them to Jesus Christ. Father, we bless you this evening. We give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.